The Twonky by Henry Kuttner and C.L. Moore Part 3 Carrie phoned Fitzgerald again. I wasn't kidding. I'm having hallucinations or something. That damned radio just lit a cigarette for me. Wait a minute. Fitzgerald's voice sounded undecided. This is a gag, eh? No. And I don't think it's a hallucination either. It's up your alley. Can you run over and test my knee jerks? All right, Fitz said. Give me ten minutes. Have a drink ready. He hung up, and Carrie, laying the phone back into its cradle, turned to see the radio walking out of the kitchen toward the living room. Its square box-like contour was subtly horrifying, like some bizarre sort of hobgoblin. Carrie shivered. He followed the radio, to find it in its former place, motionless and impassive. He opened the doors, examining the turntable, the phonograph arm, and the other buttons and gadgets. There was nothing apparently unusual. Again he touched the legs. They were not wood, after all, some plastic, which seemed quite hard. Or maybe they were wood, after all. It was difficult to make certain without damaging the finish. Carrie felt a natural reluctance to use a knife on his new console. He tried the radio, getting local stations without trouble. The tone was good. Unusually good, he thought. The phonograph. He picked up Halverson's entrance of the boyars at random and slipped it into place, closing the lid. No sound emerged. Investigation proved that the needle was moving rhythmically along the groove, but without audible result. Well? Carrie removed the record as the doorbell rang. It was Fitzgerald, a gangling, saturnine man with a leathery, wrinkled face and a tousled mop of dull gray hair. He extended a large, bony hand. Where's my drink? Hello, Fritz. Come in the kitchen. I'll mix. Highball? Highball. Okay. Carrie led the way. Don't drink it just yet, though. I want to show you my new combination. The one that washes dishes, Fitzgerald asked. What else does it do? Carrie gave the other a glass. It won't play records. Ah, well, a minor matter if it'll do the housework. Let's take a look at it. Fitzgerald went into the living room, selected afternoon of a fawn, and approached the radio. It isn't plugged in. That doesn't matter a bit. Carrie said wildly. Batteries? Fitzgerald slipped the record in place and adjusted the switches. Ten inch. There. Now we'll see. He beamed triumphantly at Carrie. Well, it's playing now. It was. Carrie said, Try that Halverson piece. Here. He handed the disc to Fitzgerald, who pushed the reject switch and watched the lever arm lift. But this time the phonograph refused to play. It didn't like Entrance of the Boyers. 
Well, that's funny, Fitzgerald grunted. Probably the trouble's with the record. Let's try another. There was no trouble with Daphnis and Chloe, but the radio silently rejected the composer's bolero. Carrie sat down and pointed to a nearby chair. That doesn't prove anything. Come over here and watch. Don't drink anything yet. You, uh, you feel perfectly normal? Sure. Well? Carrie took out a cigarette. The console walked across the room, picking up a matchbook on the way, and politely held the flame. Then it went back to its place against the wall. Fitzgerald didn't say anything. After a while, he took a cigarette from his pocket and waited. Nothing happened. So? Carrie asked. A robot. That's the only possible answer. Where in the name of Petrarch did you get it? You don't seem much surprised. I am, though. But I've seen robots before. Westinghouse tried it, you know. Only this... Fitzgerald tapped his teeth with a nail. Who made it? How the devil should I know? Carrie demanded. The radio people, I suppose. Fitzgerald narrowed his eyes. Wait a minute. I don't quite understand. There's nothing to understand. I bought this combination a few days ago. Turned in the old one. It was delivered this afternoon, and... Carrie explained what had happened. You mean, you didn't know it was a robot? Exactly. I bought it as a radio. And, and, the damn thing seems almost alive to me. Nope. Fitzgerald shook his head, rose, and inspected the console carefully. It's a new kind of robot. At least, he hesitated. What else is there to think? I suggest you get in touch with the Mediastern people tomorrow and check up. Let's open the cabinet and look inside, Carrie suggested. Fitzgerald was willing, but the experiment proved impossible. The presumably wooden panels weren't screwed into place, and there was no apparent way of opening the console. Carrie found a screwdriver and applied it, gingerly at first, then with a sort of repressed fury. He could neither pry free a panel or even scratch the dark, smooth finish of the cabinet. Damn, he said, finally. Well, your guess is as good as mine. It's a robot, only I didn't know they could make him like this. And why in a radio? Don't ask me, Fitzgerald shrugged. Check up tomorrow. That's the first step. Naturally, I'm pretty baffled. If a new sort of specialized robot has been invented, why put it in a console? And what makes those legs move? There aren't any casters. I've been wondering about that, too. When it moves, the legs look rubbery, but they're not. They're hard as, as hardwood or plastic. I'm afraid of the thing, Carrie said. Want to stay at my place tonight? No, no. No, I guess not. The robot can't hurt me. I don't think it wants to. It's been helping you, hasn't it? Yeah, Carrie said. 
and went off to mix another drink. The rest of the conversation was inconclusive. Fitzgerald, several hours later, went home, rather worried. He wasn't as casual as he had pretended for the sake of Carrie's nerves. The impingement of something so entirely unexpected on normal life was subtly frightening. And yet, as he had said, the robot didn't seem menacing. Carrie went to bed with a new detective mystery. The radio followed him into the bedroom and gently took the book out of his hand. Carrie instinctively snatched for it. Hey, he said, what the devil? The radio went back into the living room. Carrie followed in time to see the book replaced on the shelf. After a bit, Carrie retreated, locking his door, and slept uneasily till dawn.